In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data. So we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial Microphone in my home office, somewhere in western New York, it's the Computer Exorcist Podcast. I'm Mark Anthony Arena, and you can find out more about my company, Technosophy, at technosophy.com or thecomputerexorcist.com. I was talking to some clients today, and, and they were telling me about their friends, and they, oh, our friends go to a big box store, and they buy a new computer every year, and they have to update their Norton, and they have to keep current on their Norton, and they have to buy new computers, and, and uh-huh, uh-huh. And they said, yeah, Mark, we haven't seen you since 2017, and our machine you sold us, like, years before that. Uh, and the machine itself is 10 years old now, uh, and they've needed me twice to spruce it up a little bit. It's the same hardware, right? As long as you're buying non-HP hardware in the last 10, 15 years. And they just, these folks just think they need to pay and pay and pay. I need to keep updated, keep current, keep updated, keep current. Because they're using rotten Microsoft, rotten products, and Norton, which can never protect anyone against anything. Anyway, that's the whole story. That's, that's the usual stuff. Today we're going to finish our discussion on digital veganism with this article from journalist Kashmir Hill. I blocked Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Apple. And we're talking about how she dove in headfirst and tried to live a life without big tech. And that's great, but in my opinion, again, you got to make exceptions somewhere. And you don't want to go like three degrees of separation, right? You, you just It's physically impossible to say, I'll refuse to do business with someone who does business with big tech. Right, it starts with me. If each of us refuses to do business with big tech, eventually the companies we deal with will refuse to do business with big tech. And again, big doesn't mean bad. What we really care about is refusing to do business with abusive companies. Right, there are plenty of big companies out there that are wonderful. Um, and of course, nobody's perfect and no company's perfect. But the idea is don't just shun something because it's big, but shun it if they are abusive. So she goes on. She says, I called Lena Khan at the Open Markets Institute. 
And Lena Khan doesn't have a Prime account and avoids Gmail, and rightly so, of course, because I, you know, I brought thousands of clients on Gmail, but Gmail turned evil a couple of years ago, and and that old chestnut. Um, I see a tweet from a video producer at the Washington Post who got bombarded with baby ads after she had a stillborn delivery. Uh, that's just just horrible. <clears throat> um, and again, this AI, this auto suggestion, suggestion attacks, and AI attacks and nudges. It's, it's these evil cloud services, now that they know everything about you, or they think they do, they think they can give suggestions on how you live your life. And you didn't respond, you know, one of the worst things that Gmail did lately during their, you know, they every six months they attack their clients and make the, the service worse, and one of the things they did was nudges. Where, shame on you, you haven't responded to this person in this email, and shame on you, here's what we think you should respond to them. Right? Unbelievable. So apparently this poor lady had this, this uh, tragedy here, and, and the this AI, whatever it was, the um, the ad system, whatever, probably Google Ads, what have you, decided to show her uh, baby ads. So, yeah. Anyway, companies started monetizing user data far before most users even realized their data was valuable. Right? I've been warning people since 2012. And again, in my opinion, this data doesn't have a lot of innate value. I mean, there's some value, but only in as much as it leads to the consumer actually seeing an ad that's relevant and then buying something. Right? So just because I have all this data on someone... Right, I can go around one one way is okay. I get a lot of information about you. Then I show you ads that you're more likely to click on. Then we hope that you purchase the things from those ads. Or on the other hand, I can go around the other way around, go around the clock the other way and say, well, I got all this information on you. How else can I abuse you or give you suggestion attacks or create products to get you addicted? Right. These new watches, oh yes, Apple Watch tells me it, it thinks I'm breathing irregularly, or it thinks I fell, or it thinks I'm in an accident, or it thinks this and thinks that, right? And people get addicted to this stuff. It's crazy. If users had been told that the price for access would be near total surveillance, would they have agreed? And the answer is probably not. Although there's a lot of people, you know, I educate people on those Amazon Alexa devices and I say, look, did you know it records everything you say in your house? And half the people say, wow, we didn't realize that. Thanks, Mark. And then they properly recycle it. Um, but the other half people say, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not doing anything that important anyways. I said, what if I smashed into your bedroom window? And, and, and do I have the right to do that? And say, well, you're not doing anything that bad anyways, right? It's the point, folks. It's the point. Would companies have been forced to offer different business models if, if people rejected this surveillance model, Okay. Khan thinks law enforcers need to get involved. Well, look, again, my take on is this, right? Is it the same law enforcement people who who use Outlook and think Outlook is an acceptable product? Because unfortunately, big business and big government still think Outlook is an acceptable product, when in reality it is the cause of most security breaches on Earth. Is it the same lawmakers... Uh, who invented the DMCA and the GDPR, which never did anything ever to help anyone ever, but only made life more complicated. So that's what I, that's my response to that. Several of the big tech firms have acquired rivals and inhibited competitors. That's absolutely true. We need investigations. Here again, they're calling for investigations. Well, good luck with that. 
Um, again, big big tech, in my opinion, I've said this on, on my old show, big tech aims to supplant government, in my professional opinion. And it may already be too late, right? If you think about it, guess where all the government documents are held? The cloud. Guess where all the government uh, people's phones are? The cloud, right? All of this stuff is already controlled. They might just get to a point where they're at a point where they feel safe enough that they can crank up the heat and boil us. <sighs> it's already there. They're just, it's like, um, they call it the Walmart effect, right? Where Walmart was this rural store that nobody paid attention to. So they kept growing in rural areas and they kept growing and growing and growing. And it wasn't until it was too late, so to speak, that people realized that they became the number one retailer. Okay. Antitrust regulators in the U.S. have stayed away from these companies because their services are cheap or free, right? They're dangling. What do I say? I always say they're dangling a penny. When people say, yeah, I have Verizon because I had a coupon at my work. I save one cent on my Verizon bill. But then you're paying 150 bucks a person, right? So they dangle this stuff in front of you, right? The services are cheap or free. On the surface, that sounds nice that Gmail's free, right? But the consumer is what the company is actually selling. You are the product. If we want to get away from monopolies and surveillance, we might surveillance economies, we might need to rethink the assumption that everything on the internet should be free. Absolutely, that's correct. Absolutely, and that's a huge part, and I'm going to put that in the summary for this episode. Got to get away from this whole wanting everything free. Believe me, I like free when it comes to open source because it means products that aren't tethered to the factory with the DRM scandal. But, um, you know what? You know what? Uh, she talks about Proton Mail having to upgrade from a free account to a premium account. It's 50 bucks a year. But in return, I get an email account that doesn't have its content scanned and monetized. How do you like that? Not to mention the fact that any non-Gmail service is going to be a lot safer, right? AOL and Yahoo do a little bit of spying, but they're kind of incompetent. But Gmail records every last thing you do online. And they laugh at you if you have a um, VPN. Because that doesn't stop them from recording everything about you. Okay, you know, I, I actually recommend Reagan.com. Seven bucks a month. Uh, Proton Mail is okay, but they're a little bit on the paranoid side where they're they're locking people out. And you're not allowed to use Thunderbird and that sort of thing. There's also MailFence, which I have not auditioned myself, but I, I have a friend who uses it. So, I'll try to finish this article with minimal tangential rants. So, uh, author says, My one-year-old started saying that Alexa is scary and spooky. I can see how a disembodied voice that's always there and always listening would be disconcerting. But this week, she keeps crying for Alexa, wanting her to play Baby Shark, right? Again, people are addicted to all of this stuff. If you just resist that, that urge, resist this addiction, realize, zoom out a minute and realize that it's, it's not helpful at all, or find ways to do fun things that don't require big tech, right? On the last day of the block, uh, we're flying to New York. We read books with the, our daughter and doodled on a magnetic drawing board. We sang songs and played for at least an hour with sticky, flexible sticks. And that's the easiest flight we've ever had. Okay, imagine that, right? I grew up in the 80s and we didn't have all this stuff. I mean, I had Game Boy in the late 80s, but 
but still it wasn't nearly as as toxic and uh, um, designed to excite our neurons and designed to elicit dopamine as this cloud stuff is right you see kids on these ipads and and you know sure you can use them once in a while but but you can see an ipad kid right these these new young kids who just they have no personality they don't know how to interact with each other or any other humans they just bury their face in this stuff right i mean i love tv and i love gizmos but i know how to interact with human beings okay hopefully they'll grow up and, and learn someday uh, so, folks, stop using the iPad as a babysitter. Your kids are turning into zombies, you know. Um, you know, my best buddy's kids have video games. I've been buying them all the video games in history in chronological order, all of the consoles. And that's awesome, but guess what? They're only allowed to play when I show up every every other week or whatever. And that's okay. They have social skills. And they're going to appreciate it more. So... Um, then she ended up landing at an Airbnb and she says, I had written down the address and code on a piece of paper knowing I wouldn't be able to access the Airbnb website. Great. You know, I, I, sometimes I still print out, I mean, I print out all my tickets for things and sometimes I even print out the directions to places. She says, my laptop is inside the locked apartment. I use a password manager, which is stored on that laptop to get into all my online accounts. Okay. Well, don't use password managers. Side note, I have real, I have a, a little word document with my passwords and just cause I can edit them quickly, but I print it out on a real sheet of paper. Okay. So no one can get to them. No one's going to break in. And I don't have my data in the cloud because I'm not a, a participant in the OneDrive scandal. Uh, so I make sure my stuff hasn't been sucked into the cloud, okay? Don't use any of this cloud stuff. I had a guy call me last week, and he said I, he lost all access to all of his accounts on everything, right? His YouTube, his Gmail, his, his hundreds of other accounts. You know why? I bet you anything, I bet you anything, he allowed Google Chrome to suck his passwords and store his passwords, right? Or some other password manager. And if someone, right, you can, you can forget your master password, or if someone finds your master password, you're toast. Okay. They get everything all in one. You're consolidating, right? It's like if you're in some ancient war and you consolidate all your generals in one room and then your enemies show up and blow up the room, right? You're consolidating all your stuff. Okay. Does any of this make sense, folks? Because this industry has zero logic. So she says, I could have booked a normal hotel room via phone, but um, instead she did Airbnb, and she has this password manager, and she says, technology creates the problems that technology solves, and vice versa, right? Sometimes you're so eager to solve a problem that you slather technology all over something, and it just makes it worse. And then what do you do? Oh, I need more technology. And then, oh, I need more technology, right? It's just like... The joke about the medicine. You take some medicine, then you have side effects. So then there's another medicine that fixes those side effects and gives you more side effects, right? It just keeps going and going and going. Sometimes just leave it alone. Stop picking at it, as they say. Critics of big tech are often told, if you don't like the company, don't use its products. I did this experiment to find out if that's possible, and I found out that it's not, with exception of Apple. Well, good. Apple's ruthless and brutal. Huh. Um, but again, it's totally fine. I live without big tech, right? I do have a personal Gmail and I'm going to phase that out, but I live totally fine without big tech. Again, the, the thing about the using a Linux laptop that, that was kind of overlooked, right? She was able to stop using Microsoft computers. That's huge, 
right? That was the problem for the past 30 years is Microsoft. And if you can live without them, you're a lot safer, okay? It's, it's a start. It's not everything, but that's the main goal here, okay? <sighs> you know, Apple just controls your personal life, but anyway, it's easy to get rid of them. These companies are unavoidable because they control internet infrastructure, online commerce, and information flows. And by the way, Google tried to bring fiber internet to a couple of cities, like Kansas City and that sort of thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad they didn't spread too far. I'm glad we have mom-and-pop fiber optic businesses sprouting up in cities to liberate people from Spectrum and Verizon and the possible threat of Google putting fiber everywhere and recording what we're doing. So I'm so glad people like Greenlight and First Light and GoNetSpeed and there's zillions of different fiber companies out there, but I'm glad they're local. And please stay that way, people. Anyway, she says they control internet infrastructure, online commerce, and information flows. These companies started out selling books, offering search results, but they've expanded enormously and now touch almost every online interaction. They look a lot like modern monopolies. They are modern monopolies, and, and they're, they're oligopolies, really. They, they've carved up the world into segments where each one abuses a separate segment, right? Apple's a monopoly, Google's a monopoly in their own little worlds, and so on. I resumed using the tech giant services, but I've used them less. I deliberately seek out alternatives to do what I can. That's all. That's all. You don't have to crank it up to 11. You could just, you could go up to 9, right? You don't have to have blazing hot. You could be warm, right? And, and so many other ways to say it. But we're not asking you to go cold turkey on everything on earth. In, in what could be the most dramatic example in human history of, of bad guys controlling things, right? So this is the most dramatic example of something that's unavoidable. So you know what? Just start slow. Seek alternatives where possible. Okay, again, if we each of us does that, then eventually big tech will dry up. It made me re-examine the role of tech in my life. It broke me of that modern bad habit of swiping through my phone looking for a distraction rather than engaging people around me, right? I deleted time-wasting apps like Word with Friends, and I look at Instagram less often, right? And I heard a guy on the radio the other day say that he, uh, the new guy who took over for Leo Laporte, and he says, I, I sometimes resist the urge when I'm waiting in line. Why should I just pull out my phone and start flipping through stuff, right? Just just wait in line and look around you, right? He said he was at a pizzeria, and he just looked around and enjoyed that. Huh. Um and, and again, I, I myself use Facebook uh, a lot less. I, I'm down to monthly now, and eventually I'll get to quarterly and maybe yearly, and maybe I'll just get rid of it altogether. Because you know what it is, too? Here's a huge key. I never be, let myself become totally dependent on it. I don't do invites for parties on it, and I don't invite people and do things. And, and some people don't even know the difference between texting and Facebook Messenger, which is really crazy. Okay. Um, just, just don't let yourself become entangled in it. So she says, I turned my phone off at 9 p.m. and I lost the urge to start my day by reaching for my smartphone. Uh, usage is down significantly to under two hours per day. I still love using Google Maps uh, and I text faraway friends and family. Well, texting is fine because it's, again, generic and interoperable. And sharing a beautiful photo on Instagram, but I've regained the ability to put my phone away. And that's what it's all about, people. No matter what company or what brand, or what activity you're doing on your phone. The ability to realize, again, that you are the user, and don't let it use you, okay? Um, she said, I went through the digital equivalent of a juice cleanse. I don't want to be a digital vegan. I want to embrace a lifestyle of slow internet. To be more discriminating about technology, I use 
and think about the motives of the companies behind it. Please, I think about it all day long, right? When you see something that says parentheses recommended, don't do it because it means it's in their best interest. Um, these tech giants are reshaping the world in good and bad ways, and we can take the good and reject the bad. Absolutely. Thank you. So I want to give you guys my take on on this. Uh, and again, a lot of these things I've said before as I was rambling and ranting. Um, you know, again, in 2008, I refused to use Microsoft products. Because even back then, I was just sick of them. And, and I knew they were evil, right? But I went too far. Um, I, I could have... I ended up going back to using them for my own games. And, you know, it's not going to harm anyone. It's not going to hurt them if I stop using it. If one dude stops using it. But what will hurt Microsoft is is... What I eventually did, which was I use Microsoft products, I repair things for people, I explain to them the hazards of it, and I show them alternatives, okay? I also, in my day job at the time, I was using Microsoft products in order to uh, to sell parts for, for Apple laptops and, again, do things to get people away from Apple. You know, you can't live in the woods, you can't self-marginalize and limit yourself, Right? I'm really good in many aspects of, of my life. I'm really good at limiting myself. I am my own worst enemy. There's no one coming after me. It's just me uh, limiting myself. So be careful of that. Don't self-marginalize. Right. A lot of my folks, I tell them, look, okay, fine. You don't want to be a slave to a smartphone. That's fine. But you know what? If you need one for your car, whatever, even if you carry a cell phone that's that has no activation, you can just keep an old phone in your glove box and you can use it to call 911 even if there's no service. Right or do a ten dollar a month cell service that sort of thing, right? You can use the good, take advantage of the good, and don't become a slave to it. Okay. <sighs> you know, I just I stay away from big tech ninety nine percent of the time, and and I I'll give you another example. I was buying all my parts on Amazon, right? Because I'm not a big huge business where I can buy pallets of parts. I only use you know every month or every quarter I'll buy a couple routers. So I wasn't buying in bulk. I was I was just buying things on Amazon for the first maybe five years of my business. Then I realized, hey, wait, I used to order from Newegg many years ago at an old business I had. So why don't I go back to Newegg, right? It was all I'm buying is IT stuff anyways. I didn't need household goods. So I switched to Newegg for ordering of parts for my business. And sure, you know what? Once or twice a year, I'll get something on Amazon that's hard to find or else if I really save a lot of money on something. But you know what? 99% of the time, I'm supporting Newegg instead of this mega giant Amazon. And you know what? Newegg actually cares. Since they're not a monopoly, they have to compete. So they have to care. And they have to treat me right. And they can't abuse me. Imagine that. Okay? So in my business, in technosophy, this is what I do for a living. You know, generically, I can say I do in-home computer repair, but really, this is what I do. I protect people from the big companies and the abusive companies and the, the HPs and all that, and I put them in more trustworthy brands, and I protect their digital lives. I always say, I, I protect your digital life, I stabilize and secure your digital life, we get all your passwords on paper, we turn off any fake subscriptions, and so many people I know are paying for fake protection, so we turn all that off. And I'm a neat freak, and we make your digital life neat and clean and stable and no longer overwhelming, and I teach you the basic concepts so that you understand what is happening to you. So Technosophy, my business, really is digital veganism done right. 
You know, again, we, we do Linux laptops for people. I never say Linux because it's scary. Well, my computer guy said that was scary, and I told my friends I was using Linux, and they said it was scary. Nope. I call it Mint because that's the type of Linux I use. And there's no learning curve, and there's no scary, and there's no command line, and there's none of that. It looks identical to a Windows XP machine, and it, it just works. Okay, so I get people away from Microsoft computers, and I get people, I used to put people into Apple machines, but now I, I, they fell apart, so I'm getting people into these Mint machines, and they just never have a problem for three, four, five years. <sighs> yeah, what a beautiful article. So that really sums up, again, that really sums up what I do, and, and again, I, I had this article in my briefcase for quite a while. And I was intending on using it for one of the debut episodes of the this Computer Exorcist podcast to explain to you what I do, right? My show is all about technology and society. And it's not about what gizmo came out lately and, oh, you got to get the latest printer and throw away your old one because this one's new and better and everything new is always good. No. We teach you, in plain English, how to avoid unethical and unreliable technology that's what we do you know and, and i'm doing this show for free and you can please tell your friends about the show and i do it so that you know people are aware and people are enlightened and the money comes later you know there's no end to the phone calls in my office here there's no end to the demand so i do this the money comes later and if you know anyone who wants to do this for a living, check out becomeanexorcist.com where you can buy my lessons and learn how to protect people against bad email or protect people against bad laptops or whatever it may be and how to repair things and how to turn off a lot of spying and how to turn off fake protection and turn off updates and so on. <sighs> get a copy of my book, How to Protect Yourself from Your Computer, and get yourself a hoodie or a coffee mug that says you're a fan of The Computer Exorcist, all on my website, thecomputerexorcist.com. So, my name is Mark Anthony Arena. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. I think I want to do some car articles, and I definitely, definitely, definitely am going to have some special guests. We're going to have Dr. Mike, and we're going to have Sergeant Tim, and we're going to call a new guy, Cousin Joey. And we're going to have a lot of friends here on the show bringing you their insights and humor. We'll talk to you next time.